say what you mean. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm your host, Jeff. And I'm your other host, Jake. Jake. So, did Kylie tell you that I messaged her? She did, yeah. <laughs> so, I w- I, we were debating about which, um, which Instagram story you saw. Okay, what do you think? What did you guys have differing opinions? Yeah, I was. This was for Sir Tuck the Golden okay, Pup. Yeah, so yeah, for context, this is um, Jeff finally followed my dog's Instagram. Yes, at Sir Tuck the Golden Pup, and so I was thinking it was too old to see the one of him bolting into our living room with uh, the fox and with his fox. It was too old. Okay. Yeah. So it was the ones of him running around at the at the at park. At the park, yeah, okay. dude, he's huge. He is ginormous. He's massive. Mm-hmm. Also, that whole like, I just love the whole sequence of events of like, I'm assuming Kylie's controlling it. At oh yeah, the, I don't even have morning. login okay. information. So she's like, "Is anybody gonna meet us at the park?" And then they get there, and it's like, "It's just us at the park." And then he's just going ham, just run. And then it cuts to one video of him swimming, mm-hmm. and I I fell in love. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I because my dogs are little wusses and they won't swim. Dexter likes to play in the water, but mm-hmm. he doesn't like to go to the point where you're swimming. Yeah. So anytime dogs swim, I get stoked. So gotcha. seeing him swimming, I was like, "Oh yeah!" And then another golden showed up, and they were playing together, and that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um. What were you going to say? Oh, yeah. No, he was, um, he, the last few days, he's been a- around a ton of water. Yeah. He's starting to become more and more, like, ball-obsessed. He used to just, oh. just want to, like, roam around and run around and play with dogs. But right. yesterday at the at the park, um, we were at uh, Thousand Acres um, down in the Santa River Delta. Yeah. And Where so is it's that? It's completely off-leash. It's it's exit uh, 18 off of 84, so past Troutdale slightly. You guys are going all the way out there? Yeah, because it's completely off leash and it's like oh, it's a wow. ton of acreage and trails and stuff. You it can looked walk. massive. Yeah, it's really big and, yeah. you can, and you can let the dogs compl- go completely off leash. There's parts of like really shallow areas of the Sandy River Delta. Right. Your dogs can, you know, so was that slow. the river he was in? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's super so we cool. Were way out, we were way out there and... Um, we kept just throwing the ball out in the water for him. Uh-huh. That's all he wanted to do was go out and fetch that. Oh, he was yeah. ignoring other dogs. So wow. while he was like it was like his job to go get the ball. Right. So it's, he's 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 slowly starting to become more of an adult dog. Right. There um, you go. So yeah, it was really cool. I've had him down at the lease the last couple of times, last few times I've been right, down there. Right. So Yeah, I'm excited to see what kind of dog he becomes. But yeah. he's 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 so good. Did you do any training like loud noises yet? I just have been clapping and okay. stuff. I okay. have been so nervous to shoot around him because yeah. he's still so jumpy for sure for some certain things, and he gets really scared. Like he'll bark at anything. Mm-hmm. Like today, I was walking him down at the fort, and there was like this traffic cone that was tipped over <laughs> out in the f- in out in the in his broad daylight. Yeah, but it was this traffic cone tipped over on its side, uh-huh. and all he did was bark at it the entire <laughs> time we walked. We walked past it like three different times, and he barked every single time. Just barking at it. Just barking. Oh, at it. Oh, that's yeah. funny. He, he, he like puffs up, and he gets super like he gets like. But then he's he's a huge wuss because if anything comes back at him, yeah. he starts to like back yeah, yeah, up yeah, and yeah. He cowers behind me. Yeah, but yeah, he's already seventy pounds. Yeah, he's had, big. He's not dude. even eight months yet. I like him. I just like the idea of him retrieving like that. That's so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking uh, t- this morning on my way home. Um, new job's going great. That's awesome. I love being on my by my, on my own. Oh, I bet. <laughs> um, yesterday was a little. Interesting because 
you know, the freight that comes in on my shift is coming from other terminals. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it's already been inspected. So my job, especially on Sunday, was really limited as far as productivity and being able to like and not my by me being productive i'm out there looking for things but everything's kind of already Mm -hmm. been in in, uh inspected so today i get in and i'm just like going at it everything's coming i'm finding things that are misclassed and like so today felt very satisfying almost because last yesterday i felt like what am i doing this job for like a part-time person could do this job well then i get in today and i'm kind of crushing it and i every day after work my boss wants me to call him Mm -hmm. so he was just like you did awesome today like you have a lot of inspections we don't know how much money you've made but we'll check and you know keep it up you're doing great don't get don't get let down um we started the conversation off by uh he asked me did you see saturday's game i said i almost went to saturday's game talking about because he's a kooks fan yeah talking about oregon state and wsu game uh so he's super chill he's just like meh I mean, there were some days where I would only get three inspections that would make money. If it happens, it happens. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll figure it out. He's just so chill. It's awesome. That's really cool. Um, but I was thinking on my way home today, I'm like, man, I feel like I haven't seen um, my friends in a long time. And I see you every week. <laughs> and I'm like, dang, dude, Jake is like my best friend. Um, so I was thinking about, I don't know why, I just started thinking about you and our friendship and how much... I appreciate you. And then you post something on Facebook. And I love that Facebook notifies me when you post things. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I don't know what th- I don't know what this is. I've, yeah. post- I've made a lot of comments recently. So you posted this and I sent it to Jen and she was like, that's adorable. And I was like, Jake is adorable. <laughs> so it was a photo that you posted on the page for Pokemon Go Vancouver, Washington. Oh, okay. <laughs> goodness. Okay, I know. I know. I know what this is. And it says, "I'm trying to find a way to dress my golden retriever up as Jolteon, Eevee, Growlithe for Halloween. Growlithe. Growlithe. Sorry, uh, for Halloween. Any suggestions? Thanks." <laughs> hey, man. I love it. Okay, so there's a backstory to this. Okay. Kylie's Kylie's um also Growlithe. Okay, I mispronounced that. You say Nurkic. Wasn't is it not Nurkic? No, it's Nurkic. No, there's no H. Everybody it's European. I'm telling you it's it's Nurkic. I'm pretty sure it's Nurkic. Okay, we'll we'll find out. But it's Nurkic. (laughs) Okay. So to the Pokemon thing. Yeah. Kylie's work every single year, every single branch has a Halloween um competition so mm-hmm. whoever um whoever decorates and dresses up uh, they each have their own theme and the management goes around and votes on which branch has the, like the best theme and okay. the best costume okay. and everything like that so this year her branch is pokemon oh so she wants to bring tuck in mm-hmm. as like a prop right so we're like well we can what pokemon can we dress him up as right. like what are the dog ones he's yeah. already gold so we could do jolteon uh-huh. we just got to get the ears <laughs> and like the little like white fluff thing around for him. sure or we could do Growlithe, but that would require us to get dog paint um, yeah. with like black stripes right or we could do eevee which he's kind of already that color mm-hmm. so um which is eevee's just the well jolteon's the one of the evolutions of eevee <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Go. Me too, and recently. oh, so much. But 
when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's adorable. I'm bringing that up on the podcast. <laughs> and then I go to the comments, dude, and everyone's just like, look on Amazon, idiot. Like, <laughs> I know. I, I got absolutely no help from these none, people. None. Was, someone's the, like, maybe dog paint, but which I thought was the most helpful yeah, comment. Yeah, that was, that one was okay. I hadn't really thought of dog paint. I but everyone was just like, out there. look on the internet. I'm like, okay. Well, well this yeah. one guy's like, I dress up mine up all the time and as Pikachu. I'm like, that's nuts. That doesn't help me. Right. I asked right. for these three specific <laughs> things. You said, well, I, and then you just post a picture of your dog in a Pikachu costume. Right. Cute. But that's not helping me at all. You could make like a little like felt like collar thing that kind of comes out like mm -hmm. Jolteon. Yeah. Kind of cut it in like, like a star. For sure. Pointed shape. I think it could work. I just have to get the ears because his ears are floppy and <laughs> Jolteon's ears stick straight up. Oh, so good. Um, and also, you tagged me in something today, or no, you messaged me one of your classic. Uh, one of my Jakeisms. Your Jakeisms from back in the day, mm -hmm. political posts. Oh, God. Um, and I didn't take a screenshot of it, so I'm not sure what. Oh, no, never mind. Trevor liked my comments on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the end of it, the thing you end with is America's comeback team. Um, because of the candidates you were talking about. I was in, talking about Mitt Romney yeah, and Paul Ryan in, in 2012. 2012. Yeah. Um, that is more MAGA than MAGA is before MAGA. Yeah. I no, love dude, it. I was, <laughs> dude, I, man, I was all about it. But it got co opted. All that shit got co opted. Yeah. And taken to a level that Oof. I hope that even back then I wasn't, wouldn't be comfortable with. But what do you mean? Just like it's gone so nationalistic and so oh for sure yeah like just to a point where it's not like I was talking about bringing America I guess bringing America back to more global prominence uh -huh. um, stuff like that where this is just um, oof like today like today today yeah. is just it's gone off it's gone comp what start what the Tea Party movement started as has gone completely off the rails right um, real quick you said you've been playing a ton of Pokemon Go I know. was gonna ask you am I one of your um, like uh, specific gift receivers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you <laughs> and Matt, because I'm trying to build a build Friendship? us up enough yeah. to where we can trade high level Pokemon. Because <laughs> I have a couple, I have a bunch of legendaries that I need to move. Right. But I don't have anybody to give them to. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. That's why I asked because I'm just like whenever I get a gift, I looked at my friends. I'm like, uh, Jake first. Okay. Now who gets one? Mm -hmm. Who gets whatever's left over? Um, let's. I finally got Mewtwo though. Just wanted to throw that out. Yeah, I know you said that last at the beach. No, mm -hmm. you didn't get it at the beach. No, I got it at the fort. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, went, I was walking. It. I was walking Tuck around, and I was sitting there, and so I see that there's a Mewtwo raid starting mm -hmm. near, kind of off the fort, mm -hmm. and I go over and I sit, and the next thing I know, there's like this van pulls up to me, and they're like, <laughs> "You doing the raid?" I was like trying to. They're like, we got three. So they all pulled, they all jump out of the van. <laughs> and the next thing I know, like this whole crowd of people comes out of nowhere. I'm like, I don't even know where you people came from. They just come out of just nowhere and they all gather around and we do the Mewtwo raid. Finally get Mewtwo. Like, and the people who didn't get him, because like I said, it's only got 20% catch rate. So right. hardly anybody got him. There was another one started down at the other end. So we all walked together down over to the other end and do one. I missed that one. But wow. Yeah, it was. It was it's it's funny it, you have no idea like today I was down there and I did a, a slow a slow bro raid this is a level <laughs> two raid because in order to, for me to do that Mew quest you have yeah. to win ten raid battles okay so I went and I was like I can solo a, a level two raid right and I don't even know where these people were but all of, I was by myself waiting in the wait in the in the lobby and all of a sudden two people just join in and I'm looking around and I don't see anybody oh I don't know you have to be pretty close to where it. were you 
I was right by the anchor up on the by the visitor center at the fort on Officer's mm. Row. That's weird. Yeah, there was a couple of cars, but I didn't see anybody in cars. So, huh? Weird hacks. hacks. They're hacking. Yeah. Um. Cool. Yeah. So I've been playing a lot. You told me last week to walk my eggs. Mm-hmm. So I've been walking like crazy. I think I've hatched like four eggs. Have in you hatched four any aloe and eggs? Like the the seven millimeter to seven kilometer eggs. Yeah. Oh yeah. You get re- you you can get the regionals from those. Oh okay. Like far fetched Mr. Mime and Kangaskhan. Oh. You can get those in those eggs. Okay. And that's why I've been wa- I've been walking them so mm-hmm. much trying mm-hmm. to get them, and I've ended up with freaking taros every single oh. time because it's still a regional. So you yeah. end up hatching taros, which is completely stupid. Yeah. What a waste. I think four out of five eggs I've gotten Pokemon that I don't have. Really? Well, I don't have very many. Yeah. I'm kind of just now going through the evolves mm-hmm. and actually really starting to play. Almost obsessively, it's kind of annoying. Well, but they have like those. <laughs> they have those Alolan um, variations mm-hmm. of, of Pokemon. So like I caught uh, like I in one of the seven. Co- the one cool thing I did get out of a seven millimeter egg yeah. was the White Vulpix, which it's a, okay. instead of being fire Pokemon, it's an ice type Pokemon. Okay. And Interesting. Then, and when it evolves, it evolves to this really cool looking Nine Tails. So oh, okay, okay. I think I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, it's been super fun. Just walking but now like all my eggs and all my things are depleted so i need to me you and matt need to go do a couple raids out the fort one of these weekends dude i'm totally down i don't think i've ever done raids i don't even think i've won like battles in the gyms so, yeah. i wish you could do individual battles that's the one thing i'm yeah for. for sure but they did just announce uh gen 4 pokemon will be released october 22nd oh my so we got gosh that <laughs> so many i know um well cool i love it yeah we should definitely get together and play um I had a few things that I wanted to talk about today. I don't know if you have anything you want to talk about. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, but we'll get we'll get through yours, and then if we got time for mine, we'll get through mine. Um, there's just two things. Well, not two things. I have a few things, but two things I wanted to start with are sports. Um, just real quickly, have you watched any of the Blazers? I watched the preseason stuff. Yeah. All of them. Not the hunt. No, I watched highlights of two of the games. Oh. I did. I did watch the entire game on Sunday though. Okay. Nurk looked good. He did. He looks really good, especially defensively. He's a t- in that, and he's he's going strong to the rim instead yes. of instead yes. of like um, instead of uh, letting the dictate let, instead of let, letting the defense dictate what type of shot he's going to get at the right. rim. He's going strong and going two hands. Right. So going and knocking down threes. Yeah. I mean, he hit like three of them. Well, the 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 um. The reports coming out of camp last yeah. year was that he was working and developing a three-point shot, yeah. and then it never, like, he never even took one mm-hmm. in the regular season. So then he kind of unveiled that right last on Sunday, right. and he hit it. Yeah, so yeah. The shot looked good. It, it didn't, did it didn't, look good. It didn't look out of place. Right. It's a slow release, but you expect that from a big man. <laughs> Who cares? A big man should be wide open up at the top of the key anyway. Right. So and he's if gonna he is, have that, he'll have that time. Have that shot. Um. So one other thing I wanted to say was uh, Damian Lillard. He just looks like an all-star. Mm-hmm. Like, just out there, it looks like it's so easy for him. Yeah. Just playing around, cat and mice. He's in his prime right now. Right. He's playing against, you know, we the Suns and... Jazz. Jazz. So, I mean, they're not really too guard-heavy. I don't know how the Suns game went. I didn't watch that one. Uh, they won. Yeah, but watching him just through the Jazz, he gets whatever he wants. So, it'll be well, interesting. Donovan Mitchell is one of the worst defensive-rated guards. Yeah. So he's is he turn. guarding him? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, at least they were in the preseason. Yeah. I'm sure they'll probably run help 
Uh, yeah, oh, or for put, sure. Like Ingles or somebody yeah. else out on the front. But did you see Stauskas take Ingles off the dribble and two hand slam it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm, it, I might be a little over my skis on this, but yeah. I think Stauskas might not be terrible. Well, I hate the new announcers. I do not like them. I miss Mike and Mike. I they're they're crazy. Colab- Kevin Calabro. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Lam- Lamar heard heard. Yeah, um, so, but they were saying the other night during that game that. Lamar Hurd was saying that, you know, Stauskas, he came into the league and was just on these just brutal teams. He mm-hmm. was with the Kings and DeMarcus Cousins, and I guess that environment was not good. And then he went to the Sixers when they were terrible, and they did one of the worst seasons they've had in history. Yeah. So he had to kind of try to play through that season. Um, and then I think, where did He's he go? He's Brooklyn. Brooklyn, right, right, yeah. right. And they suck. So, I mean... It, it, I would imagine it's got to feel a little different coming to a team that's made the playoffs for the last five years. Yeah. Um, to know that Terry is a coach who encourages you to play your game. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I mean, I could see well, him doing he, well. That and he knows his assigned role, right? Right. There's, he's not going to have to. There's, there's no question. He's 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 not going to be in a, he's not going to be a starter. Right. So he's just. He, I think he's. It seems like he's willing to accept his role yeah. on the team. And I think having that def- that defined role for the probably the first time in his career, right? Exactly what he what he is and what he's expected to do for this team mm-hmm. is probably going to take a lot of stress yeah. off of him and allow yeah. him just to play that spot up three for sure. Kind of slasher. I just don't want to get him cut. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't want him to be stuck into just shooting though. No, because we've seen him attack enough. a little. Yeah, yeah. He, he he had a good uh, drive and kick out for a three at mm-hmm. the first in the first preseason mm-hmm. game. You see where he drove baseline underneath mm-hmm. the basket and kicked it out to the corner. Yeah, and I forget who it was, but they went and knocked down the three. Right, like, it was a good assist. Like, yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, cautiously optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, so I didn't go to OSU WSU. Yeah, and you texted me you weren't going to make it. Yeah, it didn't work out, but I do have tickets to October 20th um, OSU game. So okay. I'm going to that with uh, some buddies. That'll be my oh, first. That's, that's going to be their game. They're playing Cal. Yeah. 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 First uh, Coming off a bye week, they should actually be able to win that game. Yeah, we'll see. Their offense is actually fairly decent. They they pushed Washington State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the Cougs just pulled away late. Right. But, yeah, I was nervous there for a bit. I, I sent you my, uh, my normal, like, sky is falling <laughs> sports text message, and all I got back from you and Matt – I'm watching the fight. Yeah. Okay. Now we're gonna get into that. Did you watch any I of it? I don't watch USC. Okay. UFC. So I used to not be into it at all. Um, let me figure out the exact fight um, that kind of got me into it. But uh, my friend Alan, um, he loves UFC. Always has. Um, he just loves like the. The manipulation, the game of it, kind of the chess match of sure. fighting, um, and he was, he was like, we should watch it, we should watch it together, you know. And I was like, dude, I'm kind of interested. Um, so he, we ordered the game. We had some people or the fight. Some people came over and we watched the fight. And it's the first time I ever watched uh, UFC, and I think it was UFC one. 59 is what I have here. I think okay. it was. So um, we're watching it, and it's it's kind of interesting just watch. And, and when I first watched it, I knew nothing. So I'm just watching these guys like mm-hmm. beat each other down. Alan's kind of explaining like, oh, this is what he's doing here. This is what he's doing here. This fighter's mostly known for this style and this style. So we're watching it. And 
at the end of the fight, uh, I think it was the the main title fight, John Jones. He, um, I'd, at some point, Wait, was McGregor and Khabib on undercard? No, I'm talking about this is years ago. Oh, years for ago. This. Yeah, oh, yeah. sorry. Okay. So this is my first experience with it. So, um, John Jones wins, and sometime from winning the match to celebrating, he like snapped his toe. And I think it like it might have compound fractured, but it was just jacked. And uh, so like the camera like pans to him celebrating and then interviewing him and then down to his toe. And the room full of friends that I had over were just, oh, God, it was just jacked, just busted up. Uh, and then like watching the replay, trying to figure out what happened. I think he did it when he jumped up on the fence and just broke his toe. But the adrenaline just had him going crazy mm-hmm. and he had to do the post-fight interview with a busted toe and it was it was weird but that's the first fight that i'd ever seen um and then so 229 was on saturday Mm. um with you know conor mcgregor and khabib i don't know how to say his last name um but did you look up or hear anything about it well i i heard that khabib pretty much couldn't because he's a wrestler Uh uh-huh he pretty much controlled the fight from the beginning right ground right and um, that's not Conor McGregor's right. forte by mm-hmm. any means. Um, I did watch McGregor versus uh, who's a dude he punched out in like the first like twenty seconds. Oh of the, gosh, of I think match, I watched that too. The match, yeah. yeah, I watched that one. Um, I watched another one where he he beat the guy who was supposed. To, I've I've seen I've watched UFC. Okay, I'm just not a huge fan. Of right? It. Why not? Um, I don't know. I just <laughs> I. I don't know. Right. Just, I'm not a huge I, fan. I only have enough time in my life to right. to, to care to hate about on other the, sports. Like the, I mean I wa- I follow religiously the Blazers, the Orioles, right. the Jets. Right. I play fantasy football. You I, play I just, football. I, I just don't have <laughs> enough time to get invested right. in another right. sport. And I think that's probably the main reason For why sure. I don't have any, sure. like any major reason to hate it. I just right. I'm like, eh. It is what it is. For sure. But so, um yeah, yeah, anyway, it's it's a it seemed like a the big shenanigans, right, is like when as McGregor's leaving, Khabib goes over the octagon right. and tries to go back and fight McGregor, right? right? Okay. No, 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 no. No, that's not what happened? No. Oh, all right. So this was like, uh, I'd been watching the, the pregame, you know, nonsense, or pre-fight nonsense of talking trash, and I want to get to that point specifically, but so at the end of the fight, um, I'm watching it illegally on my computer with Jen, Um Dude, Reddit streams are the best. Yeah, what else were we watching? I can't remember. We were watching something else, but um, so the fight's on, and uh, so we paused whatever we were watching to watch the fight. Um, and from the jump, Khabib is beating the hell out of McGregor. Mm-hmm. Like, and there was one time where he just punches him, and I was like, "It's done. He's over." Because he like stumbled back, and then Khabib got on top of him, and the crowd was like booing because was it a knockout or was no. it a decision? Uh, he tapped. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Which is crazy. Um, but Alan, my best friend, who was just like, l- loves UFC, we went out for my birthday, and I was like, dude, are you excited for that fight? He was like, uh, I'm going. I was like, what? So he bought, like, floored seats. Um, two of them just was like, I'm going to go. And then he bought our fr- brought our friend Chris. So they were there during this, like, insane. So I guess prior to the fight, there was all these uh irish and russian fans and just fighting each other in the arena just beating the hell out of each other makes sense like there was like rome like during the world cup like there's 
like team like each country's team has like dudes who just go and fight dudes from the other like they're like they, they like train together to go and fight <laughs> fans of other countries right. and there's just there's like it's like the team it's like england's fight team goes against russia's soccer right. fight team right and they just meet up by, behind like the, the soccer pitch and, and beat fight. the shit out of each yeah. other with whatever they can grab on the streets it's right like nuts so, so it doesn't make i mean it doesn't shock me that that's yeah. happening at ufc that's what was happening prior to the fight so then after the fight you know everyone's kind of bummed because khabib is wrestling him mm-hmm. not standing up and fighting him but even for the time that he did stand up and try to box him he rocked him a few times, which is pretty good. Um, Connor had a pretty nice uppercut, but so I'm watching this thing, and and I en- I always enjoy a troll, I do. Um, but the thing about Connor McGregor that I've noticed more recently is he is saying some really he's kind of crossing the lines, I think, on a lot of things when okay. he does his trash talking, and I think that's why Khabib got so mad. Um, so at the end of the fight, Connor taps, and then he goes to his corner, and he looks like just done. Um, and Khabib turns to where Connor's uh, manager and trainer are, and he's just yelling at him, and he takes his mouthpiece out and throws it at him. He's in the cage, so it's not going to yeah. hit him. So he jumps over the cage, jumps off the stage, feet first to like dive kick them in the chest, and then starts trying to fight his manager and... Um, trainer and then connor sees one of khabib's guys in the ring and connor punches him and then they get separated and then one of khabib's dudes jumps the fence into the octagon blindside punches connor and then those two start fighting and then it was just insane chaos so i text alan and chris i'm like uh are you guys all right and he's like dude we left so fast like as soon as things broke out we were gone i was like okay good um, but it was in Vegas. It was chaos. It was crazy. Well, and I'm sure Dana White loves that. Yeah. I mean, that shit sells. You well, you could tell he was kind of annoyed, and a lot like even Rogan, he was doing the commentary, mm-hmm. was just like this kind of this looks so poorly on the sport. It reminded me of Malice at the Palace. Honestly, it was just chaos. Do you know what yeah, that is? Yeah, I mean that's that that looks bad on the sport at right. the beginning, but right. that stuff sells. Right, so They're that's gonna market the crap out of that. right, and that's what I wanted to get to. That kind of bothers me is some things that there are a few issues that have been really bothering me lately that I've been thinking about um, that I just haven't brought up or spoke about because I think I don't know they're hot topic even though they shouldn't be or hot button issues. But I think uh, with this, this is a good transition into what I want to get to. But um, so Habib is Russian. He's uh, I think he's Muslim. And Is he like like Chechen? Do you I'm not sure. Okay. I know Putin called him and congratulated him afterwards. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But um, so this whole time, you know, the thing about Connor and his trash talk is Connor will do his research on people and he'll bring up things that about his opponent that even the media doesn't know about. So I guess Connor or uh, Habib's trainer, his he like. Uh, uh, abandoned his son somewhere in some country and doesn't even see him. Well, Connor somehow through his, his research found that out, and then he was like, uh, the the trainer or the or the manager was talking trash to Connor, and Connor was like, "How's your boy?" And he started saying his name. I can't remember what it was. Noah. He's like, "How's Noah? How's Noah?" Yeah, yeah, you're like a, cr- a shitty father. How's Noah? And everyone, like the media and everyone, this was at like 
the face off mm-hmm. or whatever. Everyone's looking around like, what is he talking about? So then all these journalists are going in to investigate, find out that Connor found out that this manager, this trainer has abandoned his son, is now trash talking that dude for not being a good father and basically just grouping all these people up as like being terrible. Dude, just a savage with the trash talk. So I think some of that stuff is kind of interesting mm-hmm. but and it sells, right? The point that starts that bothers me that I don't like is he gets really racist and racial and discriminatory. Um, when he does his trash talking, I guess he was making remarks about him being uh, Muslim and like saying not good things about that. Okay. Um, and I know that when he, when he was boxing Mayweather, just the way he was calling him boy during some of the trash talking seems super racist. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that has now been brought up and that could, could be brought up a little bit in his post-fight um, press conference. He was saying, you know, you guys are, you guys are, yes, I jumped over the, the, the octagon to try to fight everybody. But, you know, months before that, Connor showed up at, in New York with all of his, like, crew and uh, Khabib was on a bus and they were throwing, like, chairs and things and smashing the windows of the bus trying to beat up Khabib and his whole crew. So Khabib is like, how are you guys letting that go? But looking at me like this and there just seems to be a little bit of a double standard there Mm -hmm. by letting Connor go get away with kind of his antics. I mean, well, the UFC is like Connor pretty much dictate. Exactly. Them for the last two years. Exactly. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, the things that he says just are not. They're not acceptable, but it's interesting that this sport, this sport, this um, organization is allowing those things to happen. There's mm-hmm. no way you would ever see any of the things or that behavior or the talking that he says or does in NBA, NFL, NHL, WNBA. None of that. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that they let that happen? Because it builds tension. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. Like they, uh, Rogan was talking, and I think well, you it, don't have any teams to market, right? right? So there's no, there's not going to be any real team loyalty. Uh huh. And look how fast names and and facial recognition fall out of UFC like favor in UFC. Yeah. If you have like a dude who lose one loses one time, he's pretty much a lot of times he's that guy's pretty much obsolete. Right. Now in the in in the UFC, at least right. from like an outsider's perspective, uh-huh. like he, like I had no idea who Khabib was, but apparently he like he's this big fighter. Yeah, he's undefeated. He could he could, r- he could lose next month or right. whatever his next fight is, mm-hmm. and then just be a nobody right right like i'm like look what happened to ronda rousey right right like she loses a couple ma- she loses a couple bouts mm-hmm. and now she's in wwe yeah like it's just it, it, it. it's just like you have <laughs> you do, you can't stake the ufc can't market really around its stars because right. the stars are constantly shifting right and there's no team loyalty so there you i don't i mean do do does the average this was the question i was going to ask you because uh-huh. it sounds like you have friends who are really into UFC. yeah yeah is there like a? Is there almost like? Is there a team a, like a, almost like a team loyalty attachment to any individual fighter, or are they just like to go watch good fights? Like, right? Is there? Lo- I mean, is there people wearing like Conor McGregor shirts? Like, oh, I'm sure. Or like, Con- like I'm so, sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you bring up this team aspect because I'm wondering if maybe because there are no teams, maybe the UFC lets it go to kind of. Ooh, I don't even want to like say this because it's it's kind of effed if it if it's kind of that mentality but maybe a team based on race or religion so you're picking the guy who isn't muslim or you're picking the guy who's attacking the muslim because uh, i guarantee you there are people who are 
celebrating kind of the things that he has said mm-hmm. to, no, a, I'm, I'm to sure. attack I mean, that. I mean, not to, I don't know. I think there there is a stereotype about UFC fans. Oh, okay, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me if a if a good portion of right. of that fan base right. has those kind of yeah cheers those kind of right so i'm just thinking of this idea of like fandom and maybe them clinging to anything that they can you know recognize as their tribe whether whether that's white irishman or muslim russian you know what i'm saying definitely i and i think that this is reinforcing that that tribalism within that sport i think so too and I, i think there's there's something to be said like why is Trump popular, right? Because right. he's like he's brash, right? He's uh, amongst you know white young angry males, right? Trump is brash, right? And therefore, they don't care what he's they they like what mm-hmm. he says. They like his confrontational manner. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. That's why a lot of people gravitate towards Conor McGregor, right? Right. right. I, I I think there's definitely a lot. Of, I think that's just our kind of our culture, right? Right. Now. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I don't know. That's just some thoughts I had on it. Um, it's a good. It's good thought. Good thought provoking. It's way. just the the sport is. I'm wondering how long they're going to allow them to. You know, Habib afterwards was like, "This should be about respect. Like we should respect each other. Go in there, beat the hell out of each other, but then respect each other's ability to pl- to f- to participate in this chess game. It's a brutal chess game, but it is very much countering or reacting or being on the offensive towards what you know the other fighter's strengths and weaknesses to be. It's it's interesting if you get into it on that level. Um, it's more interesting than obviously, and, and I promote that obviously more than this weird tribalism and racism that I think that the UFC has let them get away with. I think there has to be something said. No, for sure. I mean, I think... UFC goes way back. It's definitely more popular now than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. But guys like BJ Penn and Lyoto Machida and mm-hmm. George St. Pierre, like mm-hmm. those guys have fallen completely off the face of the earth and you don't even see them anymore. Right. You don't really even see them anymore. It's just, it's it's odd how fast fighters fall in and out of favor. Right. And not even like, like in other sports, you have like the all-time greats that are constantly always referenced, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. then you got to like I, I just feel like maybe maybe I'm wrong because I am an outside like I'm right, pretty right. ignorant when it comes to UFC, right. but it doesn't seem like they do anything to market Chuck Liddell or market right, anything. Right, right. It just um, so I think it's it's definitely a branding. Mm-hmm. I, I think they just the UFC has a For branding sure. problem. That's it's probably why they trump up a lot of a lot of this animosity and divisiveness yeah. is because that's that's what. That's what sells, not necessarily right. the the people, right, or the team. Mm-hmm. It's like we have to we have to sell this. This right. is what we market, right? Well, because even Connor was like attacking Khabib's father personally, like mm-hmm. just saying terrible things about him, and that gets you the idea and start thinking of like, dude, Khabib's going to destroy him in the ring once they get there because of the things he said, and just that br- brand. You know that gets people excited to to see well, what it's not happens. PC, right? Right. Why do people like people like Trump because he's not PC, right? And you you the people are leaving the NF. People are are stopped. There are there are a there is a portion of the society of our society mm-hmm. um, that's leave that's not watching the NFL because now the NFL is too is seen as too PC with its rules of mm-hmm. not allowing big hits on quarterbacks, right, not allowing right. hits on defensive receivers like the right. old time take your head off safety like that doesn't that doesn't exist in the league yeah. anymore. So they're gravitating towards a sport that uh, that doesn't regulate 
speech right. that doesn't regulate, really doesn't regulate how much you can bash somebody in until right. they tap out right. or they get knocked out. Right. But really, it, it is what that kind of portion of the population That's wants interesting. To see. That's interesting. Yeah, I wonder how many NFL fans are also fighter fans. You know? I would imagine a lot of like the hardcore, right? Like dudes who are burning their Steeler jerseys <laughs> for the for you know for the Steelers choosing to stay in the locker room. Yeah, are probably UFC yeah. fans. Um, it's interesting listening to Joe talk on Joe Rogan's podcast because he does commentate for those fights. Okay, so he does know a lot about different fighting styles and fighters, mm-hmm. and um, so he'll talk about like the legends and and different fights Will that he, he, okay. he, he so like I said I, I'm pretty yeah. ignorant when it comes to well the UFC but he's not the UFC he's just the commentator for it you know gotcha. what I mean but I do mm-hmm. agree that you don't see as much from the UFC kind of holding up those legends as legends mm-hmm. every big basketball event you always have the legends sitting front row oh yeah always mm-hmm. and they're always they always get a lot of attention not just from current players but also retired players but also the media like they get a ton of respect for being the greats of the game and i don't know if you really see that no it just seems like there's just all these fighters are fly-by-night guys Hmm. and i don't know enough to say whether it is or not but that's an interesting observation from the outside and i'll have to look into that it's kind of cool um so with that said and racism and misconceptions and divisiveness i text you and one thing that's been bothering me for a while that i wanted to talk about was um illegal immigration immigration immigration. okay so what specifically that's a pretty broad topic (laughs) anything specifically yeah just the misconception that they're you know they're 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 exploiting the U.S. system and the taxpayers' dollars by getting this welfare and benefits Mm -hmm. um, because that's just not true. Okay. So I'm assuming you've you've uncovered some stuff? Not uncovered. I mean, I've done research prior to, obviously, immigration and illegal immigration, but I've been to information nights on... Um, so I did make this poster for an immigrants and refugees history, myths, and personal stories event put on by, uh, indivisible creator Vancouver, but this was like 2017. Mm. Um, and I went to the event and there was some, um, immigrants who came and told their story about being immigrants. There was also an immigration lawyer who I thought was the, was such an interesting person to have there because oh, definitely. she's breaking down all of these um, legalities and misconceptions about the law. And a lot of that event did, I mean, not a lot of it, but she did discuss a lot about how they're not, illegal immigrants are not eligible for these benefits, these welfare benefits and programs that people think that they are, you know, stealing mm-hmm. from the taxpayers' dollars and yeah, all of you that. Yeah, you, you, you also hear like, oh, they can they can come here and, and go to go to college right for free, right? And they're taking seats away from you know born Amer- like all oh, right. the the white American has to pay, mm-hmm. you know, full price and mm-hmm. doesn't get any breaks, but <laughs> the illegal immigrant illegal immigrant can come here and go to school for right. free, right? I mean, I'm which I'm assuming is probably far from the truth. Right. So what I think about even just from that, what you're saying right there is, um, so I am the son of an illegal immigrant. So my thought process when we talk about this college specifically, Mm -hmm. it's interesting because um, 
my mom went to college. She has her AA um, in nursing, um, but she didn't she didn't go back to college until my dad moved back to Mexico. Okay, but my dad didn't go to college at all. So I I just think about this this immigration issue and like college benefits. You know, a benefit and one one way to get money in college is if you are a first generation college student. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that a lot of second generation or first generation second generation Americans who have parents who are immigrants are first generation college students. Oh, definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're getting those benefits for being Americans, mm-hmm. but also, you know, you apply for different loans or, or uh, not different loans, um, different scholarships that recognize first generation college students. Okay. So. Maybe that's where that's coming from. Yeah. Just me thinking out loud. Um, but I have a list of things that undocumented immigrants do not receive. Okay. Great. Okay. Hit me with it. Children's health insurance. So CHIP. Mm-hmm. Disability, a.k.a. Supplemental Security Income, SSI. Um, food stamps, a.k.a. the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Mm-hmm. SNAP. Um, health insurance, a.k.a. insurance via the Affordable Care Act, but that's... These are things they don't get. Do not. Do not. Okay. Um, Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, welfare. So basically, every major. Like, yes. Um, wealth like uh, welfare benefit. Yeah. That the United States offers. Yeah. Okay. So here are the three things that they may be eligible for. Okay. Not necessarily that they get, but they may be eligible. Um, the and these are undocumented immigrants. So, I mean, we can get into the the terminology as far as illegal and undocumented and legal so is there a difference between illegal and undocumented let's define those terms terms because i i mean i guess you could have someone who overstays their visa right so they would be technically documented but here illegally yes so i guess maybe hmm so that's something Trump liked to harp on as we have all these people coming here on visas and then overstaying their visas. Right. I don't know what, I mean, I don't know if he's over-exaggerating or if that legitimately is a major problem. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Right. So it, I think it's just interchangeable. Theoretically, illegal alien is not the, a technical term. Okay, so they're so using undocumented. undocumented. Okay. Um, so the undocumented may be eligible for um, emergency medical care. <laughs> So, like, going to the ER. Yeah. Um, schooling. Okay. Um, and special supplemental nutrition program for women, infants, and children. So, okay. WIC. Sure. Um, but, I mean, I've read some articles that get into, you know, and this is what I saw with even that event that we put on, that I went to last year that I kind of, you know, made that flyer for or whatever, is that undocumented um, immigrants don't, you know, they could be deported mm-hmm. and they're here for who knows how many reasons why. Yeah. Um, so to to try to cheat the system to get benefits that they're not going to get to expose yourself, mm-hmm. putting your address, your information to be then deported. It just seems like the, the risk versus reward is it just isn't just doesn't make sense. And sure. I think that that's a lot of what the articles that I've read mm-hmm. through um, have kind of stated. But if people want to go through and look at the actual documents that discuss illegal or illegal immigrants or undocumented immigrants, however you want to term that, um, I'm not really a fan of illegal alien. I don't know why. I just, I don't know. 
Maybe it's just because I remember when I was a kid, someone saying something about my dad being an alien, and that just always like was really weird for me. Um, But the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act of 1996. Okay. Kind of breaks down. um, It talks a lot about, a lot about, um, what they're what they get and what they can't get and for sure and that definitely i mean that that time period is interesting because it's three years after the passing of nafta right so right you definitely see a lot you would definitely that makes sense that just in the time period right one thing that i thought was interesting through that um actually no this is uh so then the second piece of legislation that people can look through is public law 104 to 191 health insurance portability and account accountability act of 1996 okay um you did some crazy research (laughs) so that is obviously the other one's focused on immigration into the united states and um looking at what benefits are prohibited to undocumented undocumented immigrants but um the health law where did it go? Gosh dang it. Um, public law. Da, 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 da. Sorry, 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 sorry. You're good. Um, oh, here it is. My bad. <laughs> um, so within that uh, public law, it says it is compelling. <coughs> it is a compelling government interest to remove the incentive for illegal immigration provided by the avail- availability of public benefits. Okay. So. The point is, is that they're, they don't, they recognized in 1996 that if they were able to receive these benefits, mm-hmm. that would be an incentive to come over. Yes. So let's. And, and NAFTA was, was originally designed to be a, to disincentivize. Right. M- immigration. Right. So, yeah. So let's remove that and make them ineligible for these benefits mm-hmm. from taxpayers' money so that that's an incentive that's removed. And passed by a Democratic president. Yes, it was. It was Bill Clinton. Yeah. So, all in all, my point is, is all this rhetoric and, and nonsense about them stealing your tax money and through benefits and all that, I haven't talked about it and I haven't said anything, but it's bullshit. He did not hit her. He did not. <laughs> Uh, uh, a room reference. Yeah. Good room but room but room anyway, so uh, that's just one thing that's just fr- been frustrating me for a while that I felt like I wanted to touch on. No, and I'm, at least glad bring you, up. I'm glad you did because, honestly, I didn't know anything. Of, I'm, I I figured that they probably weren't eligible for as much as they people claim that they are. Right. But I thought they were eligible for more than what yeah. is. Uh, just no. because you have so many people screaming from the rooftops about exactly. all of this. I'm like, well, st- it's got to be at least half true, right? Right. It sounds like it's less than three quarters Right. True, yeah, so. it's nonsense. Um, yeah. And one thing I wanted to bring up about like kind of staying low and keeping low and not putting yourself out there as an undocumented immigrant. At that event, there was an individual who was supposed to come speak. Mm-hmm. Um, it was held at Clark College. Um, and they were supposed to come and talk about their experience. But they were too afraid to. Because at the time, I mean, uh, it was in October of 2017, um, there was a lot of families like being broken up in Vancouver, Washington yeah. by ICE agents. And so wow. they just decided not to go on this public forum to talk about their experiences. This was in 2017. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I think there's just a lot 
it's just this this distance and this inability of empathy from people. That's that's the most concerning. Thing yes, is the empathy. Yeah, you go on these, you go on the Facebook comment sections. Where right, Fox Twelve Oregon will post mm-hmm. like uh, something like I well, I saw for example like just an anecdote. I yeah. saw one was like there was a military ma- like a major in the U.S. Army. Right, and he uh, his daughter wasn't a U.S. citizen somehow. Uh-huh. Um and. Because uh, he, I guess he immigrated here and joined the military. Okay. And so he doesn't have, he's not like a U.S. citizen, but he's in the military. But right. his daughter's also not. But something happened with him not filing the right paperwork on time mm-hmm. while he was deployed. Mm-hmm. Well, now she's getting, dep- his daughter is being deported while he's still serving for the in, military. in U.S. uniform. <sighs> and you go on the comment sections thinking you would, okay, you would have to find, <laughs> these people would have to find some empathy, right, for a soldier defending the country. Right. Nope, no empathy to be found. Right. For, from a certain portion right, of, for sure. of, uh, of the demographic in the United States, saying, oh, he should have, uh, you would think somebody in the military would know the, the, proper de- uh, you know, the proper documentation. Oh, my word. Read the article. He was deployed. Wow. I, I just, like... <laughs> Man, it's a yeah. tr- it's it's appalling. Yeah, and and, appalling. and and you look at like I mean the separation of families at the border, regardless of what it's doing. And I get the idea, the manipulation of fear tactics mm-hmm. that the administration is pushing for. But I mean, uh, so if we're getting into a conversation of fundamentally what they're doing, taking removing their kids from their parents, I, 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 there's empathy there for me. But you look at the comments and the things that people say. If you're supporting the separation between children and parents, you you're sick. It's well, weird. Well, the the comeback argument is like, well, the the parents shouldn't have put their kids in that situation. Avoiding being murdered by gangsters in South America. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, just, it's a ridiculous. I, I mean, maybe like. it's just ignorance and 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 misunderstanding. Well, it's the othering of of people who aren't for sure who aren't in their group. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. It it, it over time the 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 in group out group dynamic psychologically you start to dehumanize right and infrahumanize. Uh, infrahumanization is even worse than dehumanization. Yeah. Where you just don't even care. You don't even see them right. as equals, and therefore, you don't care what happens right. to them. I mean, like, it's just it. It you start to see that, like, for sure, they don't have like the ability to show <laughs> empathy Nothing. because they don't. I I don't know what the driving motivational factor of that right. is. Maybe it's racism. Maybe it's if I say like what's going on under undermines the president that I support, and it's just right. like this team mentality. So they're not really. It's not That's rooted in point. racism, but it, but you know, they're obviously displaying tribalism, ra- tribalism nationalism, that that of the of, of the other, right? right? So it's just mm, it's so right. frustrating. Well, and, the, and it's just this blanket ideas or blanket, um, just uh, 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 notions or considerations of these immigrants, like you know, like that argument of their parents should have known better what the, of what they were getting into. Like, yeah. you have no idea, one, what country for they're from. Just because they're coming from the South doesn't make them all Mexican. Right, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, they're, I mean, Mexico was a disaster as far as, like, the cartel activity and murders every day. But there are also countries in middle America and South America that are experiencing the same kind of corruption and control from cartels or gangs or whatever. And families are being murdered every day for just stupid, just to make points by some of these gangs or cartels. So uh, maybe it's just a complete disconnect or misunderstanding or can't even comprehend 
what that would like be like to live in that world. Well, we're so comfortable now. Right. But, yeah, we're living in a nerfed world. But t- there's, t- I can't help but consider, like, uh, I don't know. Well, the United States has always had the, the geo- geological advantage of not having to live in an area where there's threats on your border. I mean, think about mm-hmm. Europe, right? Mm-hmm. So... Th- I always think about that, dude. For centuries, every country, every citizen in a European nation Mm -hmm. has had to worry about somebody on their border, right? Right. The 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 likelihood going all all the way through the uh, uh, the early modern era to the to the modern era. Right. There's been wars fought, ravaged throughout Europe. Yeah. The United States has been able to be has been geographically isolated from most of most of that. Right. And so I think we're very sensitive. Mm to um to these kind of perceived threats right that aren't really there because right. the other countries have been dealing with mass migration of in uh, movements of people for a long period of time right. and the united states is now starting to experience that right i guess a little bit more now maybe oh i i don't know necessarily that maybe they're just trying to uh, there is a nationalistic rhetoric that is promoted by this administration and this president mm-hmm. specifically but we talk about protectionism and isolation, and I think that that's where it's coming from. Not necessarily because I think I've read that it's a record low right now of people migrating from the South into the United States. Mm-hmm. But you're—I mean—you're still hearing people talk about it and still bashing all Mexicans and you know. Yeah, they're coming for our jobs, but yet our job economy is so good right. that we don't have enough people to fill the open jobs. Yes. You can't have it both ways. Right. You can't say they're taking our jobs but then tout Trump's economy as being so good right. that we don't have, there's so many jobs that can't even be filled. Right. And this is just a simplified thought or anecdote that I'm thinking of, but if the worst that you have to worry about is someone coming from another country to work within your economy and your system if that's the worst thing you have to worry about i'm not saying that that's it's that simple i mean Mm -hmm. we know that drugs are being moved back and forth we know that the cartel is operating just along the border we know it there are dangerous people but i'm just saying like compared to the things that have happened in europe and on that side of the world i mean you have all of these continents grouped together you know what i'm saying yeah there's europe there's africa there's asia there's it's all the right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could just you could walk to another place if you needed to. You know what I mean? You could mobilize an entire military as as they have. Yeah. Um. But for the United States, it's it's we're over here in Canada, and you know we've mostly been there for the mo- majority of our development of our nation's developmental stage. Right. As we grew out of our infancy, mm-hmm. we other than pissing off the british in 1812 <laughs> we didn't really necessarily we haven't had any threats right to our national security our borders have been essentially secure right. since since we declared independence right. or won our independence in 1783 for sure there really hasn't been a, a significant threat to our sovereignty mm-hmm. in such a long time exactly and other exactly. than like i mean there was threats during the cold war right mm-hmm. and i think coming out of world war ii i think that generation had a real um sense of what it would like what you know what the world could look like if the united states were to fall like there mm-hmm. was i mean there was a chance the united states didn't, you know ended up could not tomorrow wasn't certain during right. world war ii and i think that generation who is we're losing mm-hmm. were, there's probably anybody who was alive during that period mm-hmm. who was at least old enough to understand the consequences of of that era right 
left the United States. So we just become we've become so yeah, I guess saturated. We we don't we're not. I guess we 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 take such for granted the the basic liberties and security that we have for sure um, in our in our nation, and sure. so we we see boogeyman everywhere, everywhere when they're really not right because well we're we're I don't know it it is it's so it is very interesting right. I'm, I'm glad you brought up this topic yeah because it, it does open up a lot of different mm-hmm. avenues of thought mm-hmm. it bums me out yeah um because I don't know I'm just such a a hippie I'm still peace and love man <laughs> I just want to help everybody I mean. And you just see the the oh man the violence in Mexico right now. It's terrifying. And you, you, how can you not blame someone from wanting to to escape? That? Right. And 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 that's such, I mean, honestly, if you're looking for a reason to say America is great, mm-hmm. where the, these people are fleeing that and wanting to come to your country, right? Because you're a beacon of hope, right? For them, yeah, and their family, right. It's like not if, because if, they're going to get your benefits. Yeah, they're not. They're looking for safety, to live, to eat. In 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 a <laughs> in a better future. Right. Not so they they can hope that one day their kids can experience what has been told to them is the American dream. Like right. Your your message, like our our country's message, mm-hmm. permeates to the rest of the right. to the rest of the oh, world. Oh yeah. I mean, I I think some of the best Americans are first like first generation yeah. immigrants. Because they they understand the liberties that aren't available all mm-hmm. the, all over the rest mm-hmm. of the world that we have and we take for such granted, right? And um, but yet we we want to turn them we want to turn them away, right? And it's just economic, even if like morally or ethically you don't want to get into those arguments, mm-hmm. just economically, right? We're a post-industrial economy. We need we're a service sector economy, right? And there's a lot of service sector jobs that need to be filled. There's a whole population that wants to come here and mm-hmm. fill those jobs, and we're turning them we're turning them away because we have some nativist um, yes like belief that they're inferior. So we'll just cl- build a wall and keep them out. Did you read that article that I posted about those students that summer who worked who there was initiative in the 40s to get these um, to get white American students not necessarily white but American students to work out in the fields for the agricultural industry Mm-mm. oh my gosh dude it yeah, was you'll have to send me that again. oh man it was such a great article i don't know if i can find it right now but um essentially actually hold on let me find it real quick on the man i found it perfect okay so the article is titled when u.s government tried to replace migrant farm workers with high schoolers oh boy yeah so um I kind of want to post this article. I posted it on my personal page, but um, yeah. In oh oh gosh, I'm totally wrong. It was in 1960s, so 1965. Oh, wow. Well, I remember I told you that uh, the Bracero program went super late, longer than anybody yeah, yeah, had yeah, thought. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's there was this move to you know try to be like, okay, well let's find another solution okay. for this. So and this would have been Kennedy. Yes, I think so. Okay, I think they mentioned that. Um, Wait, w- okay. What er, early sixties? Yeah. Th- well, this specific photo from students being in a bus, okay. being carted off to to work on the farms was from nineteen sixty five. It's just it's this article is very interesting to me because to me because these students talk about how brutal, how just terrible the work was alone, mm-hmm. but then they were like kept in the same kind of constructions that. Um, and buildings that the Braceros were like kept in. So here's a photo of like 
kind of the beds and stuff. Oh, good. Um, and just like little Sh- shacks like that shanties. they shanties. Yes. Yeah. So like repurposed like military barracks that right. have like no working electricity. So the the I think the one point of this that w- someone makes that one of the one of the students who actually worked out there for the summer doing these jobs has a whole new understanding and empathy yeah. and sympathy for the migrant workers doing these jobs that high school students just they're they don't want any part of mm-hmm. American high school students. These jobs are crucial to the economy and to feeding our people and people around the world. But if we don't have I know I'm not I'm not promoting immig- illegal immigrant workers. What I'm saying is migrant workers. There are workers that we bring here to work. Yeah. And that is I it's just interesting because because now this guy he gets it. He's like, dude, I will never bash anybody who's coming to work those jobs because it was the worst summer of his life. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just super interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think you, it's something you you touched on too. Is like, um, it's so like, the the another misconception is like how easy it's supposed to be. Like, oh, just do it. I, I don't understand. Like, you hear you hear people say like, well, they just need to do it legally. Right. Well, do you understand the legal, the how difficult oh, the legal process? That lawyer is? went over all it's, that. There's only three ways to get into the United States. Yeah, brutal. It's either you have a family member that's a U.S. citizen that sponsors you. Right. You have a you have a uh, there's a uh, an employer here that sponsors you. Yeah. Or you get randomly chosen as part of the State Department. Um, uh, and that's that's just to get a like a um a non-immigrant like alien like visa card right like right that's not that has nothing to like that's not giving you citizenship exactly it's just like a permanent resident card mm-hmm. that's not u.s citizenship it's just get your green card right you, there's only three avenues of getting that it's not just like getting in a line there yeah. is no line yeah it, yeah it, that's the whole line is a myth mm-hmm. like it, it's like oh they knew well they need to go and get in you know get in line and do it the legal way it, right. yeah if there was a line they would have gotten into right. it right like just and a lot of these people coming from these from these awful situations in Central and South America, mm-hmm. don't have don't have the time to get into and a you line know Africa either. and in Middle Africa East and, and all these yes, yes. terrible place you know situations that people are trying to escape. So in, and in just the, can't. like the average the average wait to try to get some of these like mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. is is five plus years. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yes, people in Western Europe, like a dude from France, has time to wait for five yeah. years, <laughs> maybe. Right, but like. Gosh, it's if just you have the, people breathing down your neck, the ignorance and the lack of empathy for yes. the situations that these people are coming from is just, in my opinion, just appalling. That's just my point. Right? It's, it's not. It's not. It, it's not just super easy for them to just become get to legally go through the to go through the citizenship process. It's, mm-hmm. it's darn near impossible. Right. You have to basically win the lottery to right. get to even get in, in into a position legally. Legally, right? Yeah. So if it's life or death, you're, you're going to make a decision. Cross a cross a border, yeah, and and hope for the best, right? You you can t- you'll take care of the ramica- ramifications later. Oh, and by the way, now your kids are getting ripped yeah. away from you. No, yeah. I'm sorry. Like yeah, this, there's there's and then and then and then to try to push this off on Obama, like this was an Obama era, yeah, like practice. Like yeah. this was passed under Clinton. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Oh, Trump through an executive order amended the uh, amendment amended the Homeland Security yes um, policy. Of separating kids if they were if they came to the if they were caught by immigration mm-hmm. like border patrol 
and the kid wasn't related to the to the adults that he was with mm-hmm. or there was drugs found with the parents mm-hmm. then at that point they would separate the kid from the parents right not just blanket zero tolerance yes. we found kids with an adult and we're going to separate them exactly if they're it, it, it that wasn't oh that's just such <sighs> a lie like yeah. he stood in front of the american people and lied through his mic through the microphone i mean i guess we shouldn't be shocked right but it's just God, do do some research. Right. And he's, you know, we talked a little bit last week about him creating these fires for him to put out. Yeah. And that's an example of like this, this false fire of just like, look, this is a problem. Look, I'm going to solve it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And, and I want to read a quote from Randy Carter, who is, who this article is about. Mm -hmm. It's the last thing that he says. Um, He says, there's nothing you can say to us. Um, those who worked those summers on the on the farms um, that migrant laborers are rapists or or they're lazy. We know the work they do and they do it all their lives, not just for one summer for a couple of months. And they raise their families on it. Anyone who ever talks bad on them, I always think keep talking, buddy, because I know what the real deal is. Yeah. So, I mean, it took I mean, I'm not saying that this guy wouldn't know otherwise, but I mean. I wonder how many of those students now empathize for these workers, you know what I mean, yeah. who break their backs just to survive. And some, you know, there are farms out there who do hire illegal immigrants. So uh, you have these workers, you know, who are probably underpaid and not, not protected by any health care or systems that we're, they're getting from for free, you know, from mm-hmm. taxpayers. So they're, I don't know, I, it's just... <sighs> Just, I wish people would read more, <laughs> but yeah. I will post some maybe some, this article and um, that's that's just too difficult. You yeah. can't expect people to read. And maybe some uh, links to um, those those laws and the, and the legislation, maybe explaining those things. So if you do want to do your own research, you can. Sure. Um, not you specifically, but anyone <laughs> listening. Well, uh, I I need to go do some reading on it because I was I'm pretty ignorant on. A lot of this, the stuff that right. you brought up. So, well, yeah. you just have, like you said, just nonsense and noise out there, and you can't filter out what's true and what isn't. Um, so, I'll give you, I'll post the primary sources so that anyone who has those questions can look. Great. Just control F and search benefits or search immigrants and read the specific parts about the, you know, what mm-hmm. regarding those people and and how that works. I mean, it's not, I know that these can get dry and they're not the funnest things to read. But if you want to know and you want to understand, I mean, how em- it's embarrassing when you try to talk about something that you think you know about and then you run into somebody who knows. E- That's the main <laughs> reason why I went to school. Who know exactly what they're talking about. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, uh, you. I just feel like an idiot. Well, if you have somebody talking about how they're exploiting the system um, and you know better, I think it's much better to be in the know than to just blindly regurgitate whatever mm-hmm. media has made up. And and if you're, I just don't understand people's wanting to hold on to, a like opinion based on incorrect right. information. Right. Like, what do you have to lose, besides like you can, you want to believe what you want to believe? Mm-hmm. I just I, I I don't I don't get I don't I don't, I don't get that wanting to close yourself off. It's a fear of, and I think you're a great example, and I'll always praise you for this. But just the ability to maybe self-reflect, or or maybe just to say, oh, maybe I'm wrong in thinking this. But nobody wants to do that. That's a scary thing for a lot of people to think. It is. Um, I mean, I know that I hate I hate thinking that, but I I know that there are 
I don't know if necessarily there are some issues that I'm just like, I'm die hard. I'm not changing my mind on these things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there are people who think that. Yeah. It's weird. There's not a lot of hills that I'm willing to just die on. Right. Like ideological. Oh, well, like. there is one. Uh, we won't get into that because <laughs> it's way too long. And we want to do an episode specifically on freedom of speech. Um, okay. But that's one you know. <laughs> I've said many <laughs> times I'll die on. Um, but do you have anything? Well, you just want to reserve those hills for the real things. Right, right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, don't go and... F- don't Especially if you're wrong. Don't go and die on a hill <laughs> of like um, the cr- uh, Starbucks Christmas cup. Like people yes. get so oh, angry about just yes. dumb shit. And you know there's going to be controversy and, and that's this just, year. I mean, that's just red meat. Like both right. parties do this. They oh, just, yeah. They go and they, they find certain buzz things. Mm-hmm. I just get, um, it just stokes up the, our culture is being destroyed because they took freaking snowflakes off of the christmas cup right it's right just, oh christmas is ruined well, they didn't they were, we say merry christmas <laughs> now in the united <laughs> I was states say that. oh i love it um anyway so i have two things okay. i think we've got time for one of them so you you okay. choose which one you want okay. i can either talk about an article i read about uh-huh. um from the atlantic about three professors who did a hoax on a bunch of academic journals to to show um, uh, kind of the corrosive nature in some of the like in academia right okay. now. Interesting article. Yeah. Or we can talk about U.S. diplomatic history. <laughs> that seems way longer. <laughs> yeah, it is. We probably should just talk about hit the, the article, article real quick. All right, let's hit the article, and then next week we'll talk about U.S. diplomacy. Okay. Um. Because uh, the reason why I was thinking about that is because Nick, as you sent me, yeah, uh, the article. Now there's several articles out there, but the UN ambassador Nikki Haley uh, has stepped down as uh, UN ambassador. So I wanted to. Beca- I thought at the beginning when she was appointed, it was an it was an interesting um, appointment because she, ideologically she's nothing like the president. Right. Um, she's very neoconservative. Mm-hmm. And then I read another article from a guy that I really respect in um, in in just kind of. In, in America, in, in publications. His name is Max Boot. Mm-hmm. And um, he wrote a book recently called The uh, Corrosion of Conservatism and Why He Left the Right. Mm-hmm. And he was a, and he was, he's a history, he's a master's in history. Uh, he writes for the Washington Post. He was a advisor to the Bush administration. And he's talking about how neocons set the stage for Trump. So I got, like, where do these ideologies, ideologies come from? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just, I'm, what I'm doing is just setting the stage for next week's episode. Because I think I have a really good, something really good planned for, okay. for this. But okay. we'll get into the, uh, we'll get into the Atlantic episode, uh, the Atlantic article. So basically what this article is, is if I can remember this right, I don't mm-hmm. have my computer in front of me, but mm-hmm. I can pull it up on my phone. Okay, so the article is written by The Atlantic, and mm-hmm. it's titled, What an Audacious Hoax Reveals About Academia. Okay. And so over the past 12 months, uh-huh. three they just call them scholars. So I don't know if they're professors or if they're graduate students, but they have enough clout to be able to write um, uh Journal, I uh, write uh, articles for academic journals. Right, published so these, articles. These are, publi- these are published, peer-reviewed um, articles that right. go to you know. And in, in, in if you've taken college courses, you're you're familiar with um, these academic review journals. Right. And so they're they're high profile. They're what we use as basically secondary sources mm-hmm. for most of our writing. Mm-hmm. And they're all over different. And they're most prominent in the social science in a lot of in mostly in the social sciences. Mm-hmm. Or at least they're under scrutiny most in the social sciences because that's where you have the most subjectivity. Right. Um, so these three people mm-hmm. um, noticed that 
there was over t- over the last few years a lot of these academic journals and certain um, new disciplines uh-huh. like um, identity studies, fat studies, queer studies, gender yeah. and gender and sexuality uh-huh. and stuff were posting some articles that were increasingly not as well researched okay. and coming in coming to what they felt were stranger and stranger conclusions. Hmm. So what they did is they 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 wrote 20 fake papers and sent and sent them to these two different peer review journals in uh-huh. these disciplines uh-huh. with just some crazy conclusions. Okay. Like I'll read I'll, this is an excerpt from one of them. Um that there exists an external world whose properties are independent of any individual human being and indeed of humanity as a whole, that these properties are encoded in eternal physical laws and that human beings can obtain reliable, albeit imperfect and tentative knowledge of these laws by hewing to the objective procedures and epistemological strictures prescribed by the so-called scientific method. Um, So, what they went in with, with this one of their articles was saying that they needed to stop um, <laughs> using Western astronomy uh-huh. for because it's it, it reinforces and basically what they did is they encoded they encoded all of this with real like academic jargon right like it um, this re- like it. reinforces colonial and imperial like Western astronomy uh-huh. reinforces colonial and imperialism okay and we need to focus more on feminist astrology when looking at like talking about the stars and, and astrology and yeah oh and, uh, instead of astronomy uh-huh. and it's just like crazy it's just cr- more like in, as they go down right some of these things um one of them was uh and these they had like a 70 percent success rate in getting these published by these wow. review journals so it's kind of alarming right and like another one was is um like allowing your dog to go to dog parks and like be subject to domination by other dogs furthering rape culture in human society like just Whoa. some crazy, like f- like just some crazy yeah. like conclusions that are just uh-huh. way out there. And do their stuff got like to the publication that process doesn't surprise before me. they finally like you know told these review journals, hey, this is a hoax, right? Like, don't print this. Wow. And so it's I, I just I found it super interesting. But I like what I liked about uh huh this article specifically, right? Is that he at the end he writes this great conclusion saying. Mm-hmm to completely undercut academia like use this to completely undercut all academia is is super wrong right because these are this kind of stuff happens in newly formed disciplines yeah. where they're not as structured they don't quite have the parameters they okay don't have like um whereas like they said they these people that were they got pushback from these mm-hmm. three people got pushback from was they submitted these articles to uh the american political science review mm-hmm. and not only did they get rejected but they got like a scathing article like Whoa. That. and then they submitted to the um, american sociological review uh-huh. and the same thing happened Interesting. so it's like these these newly formed you know not as disciplined disciplines uh-huh. were more accepting of these and, and they're saying like that just something that happened like it it's it's a growth it's a maturation process right, for sure of these new of these new disciplines right as they kind of figure out where their parameters are what their definitely, areas of studies are definitely and then you have the more like the more um established disciplines like mm-hmm. political science sociology psychology mm-hmm. that are going to be able history. to um history <laughs> that are able to um <laughs> that are able to kind of identify 
and weed out some of these some of this stuff. Because that is interesting. So it's, it's super interesting. But then they also said like on the but then also within academia, mm-hmm. even though this this has come out as a hoax, there are still like prominent professors at different institutions who are defending the acceptance of these articles mm-hmm. by these reviews mm-hmm. by these review journals saying that you know it it's it's it really it's it's really important that this kind of stuff still gets out and to, right. to challenge norms just because it's it doesn't seem like it's a norm at the time okay publishing these things right it, it's it's a really good article i recommend uh-huh. yeah i recommend reading you it sent that to me. um i should have sent it to you <laughs> but i just thought it was it's it's interesting because i know there there's some things it's just it's funny to me how and it, i think it 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 gets at some of the thoughts about academia amongst the general population in the United yeah, States now. Yeah. It seems like there's so much vilifying of academics. Well, I mean, that kind of re-encourages that idea, I think. Yeah. And they're saying like they're, uh, the, federal, uh, the Federalist newspaper, mm-hmm. which is a, a very conservative-leaning newspaper, mm-hmm. um, used this hoax oh, as, as in, in an article that they wrote saying like, you know, see, see? this, see, this is what mm-hmm. we've been saying. Mm-hmm. Academia is just this corrosive. Right. They, they come, it, it's so easy to manipulate. Right. And this, uh, they're churning out these, um, they're writing all of the stuff that is being used to basically indoctrinate, um, our youth in the, you know, the madrasa that is now a, a liberal, ac- liberal academics. Right. Um, in in this article does a good job i think of pointing out that defending review review journals for not having that review process mm-hmm. and weeding out these kinds of um uh these kinds of journal mm-hmm. articles mm-hmm. and having that rig you know that more that more rigorous right test you know testing process mm-hmm. um is is as wrong as using this to completely undercut all of academics. Absolutely, and um, that's so. I I, th- I really like this article. I that really like this article because it, it gets into a debate. I think I think there were certain times. I don't. I can't speak for you, but there were certain uh-huh. times with me and my educational experience that there were certain things when I was reading. I'm like, I don't buy that. I don't yeah. buy that conclusion, but yeah. I have a professor who is espousing it. Right, and I'm like, I don't like. I'm like, Ugh. yeah, like so. I guess it, it, it is. It was just a, it was a very good. I have an example. I kind of was taking some notes as you were talking. Um, one example that I can think of specifically is uh, I don't remember what course and I don't remember what professor and I wouldn't say otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that I was writing a paper on education. Um, so I'm looking through education journals mm-hmm. and I, you know, thinking back now, I think that those were those articles written within those, I think had the most anecdotal articles. I mean, yeah. written about just circumstance. Like here's my experience as a teacher and here's what I've done, which I thought was interesting because I'm trying to make a point about, I don't remember, but I'm trying to make a as fact based or science reviewed or journal reviewed point about, you know, I've written about, colonialism through education in other countries mm-hmm. i'm not saying that that's what this paper was but i'm just saying if if that's what i'm going to be looking at and writing about um i'm going to need some hard evidence to prove what i'm arguing and as i'm reading through these educational journals and a teacher's talking about um his experience in a seventh grade classroom his or her experience in a seventh grade classroom that doesn't help me understand because I'll, I'll search whatever topic i'm trying to mm-hmm to investigate or research into um and i'll just get these articles talking about 
just their everyday life within the classroom and how maybe that relates in some way. Yeah. Not not more of a I don't know, you read a, a history and I'm not I'm not trying to put history up on this pedestal, <laughs> but you read a, a, a historical journal and like you have other research backing that up or other citations or statistics to mm-hmm. to argue what they're making and I just couldn't find that in some of these educational journals what I which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Be, I mean, if you're going to argue that co- colonialism um, is being promoted through education in a country, that's kind of a that's kind of a big hill to climb, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to need to look historically and maybe the behaviors of different institutions and how Definitely. they're doing that. I, and it, I think that um, another another uh, portion, another argument that the author of this Atlantic article, who interviewed these three scholars, right. that he called them. Is that he f- like what they said within academics? There, there almost is like this bubble that does get created. And I think you and I have experienced this. Okay, that where nothing kind of gets challenged. Everything, w- what if it exists in yeah. the academic bubble, like it can live on the college campus because it's not being like right. tested against every anything outside of the campus. Right, and. I, f- I find that we've had certain professors who don't challenge really asinine comments right. by their students. Right. And that has been kind of con- at times concerning to me. Right. Um, I've, I've had a conversation with a professor about that kind of stuff happening in a classroom. Mm-hmm. And um, they have said, you know, as they've, you know, taught more and more as the years have come they are more comfortable like saying something and like nipping those kind of comments or or pushing back on those ideas that are just like offensive or rude mm-hmm. so sometimes think people say like straight racist things um but you know this professor also admitted that there there had been some times when they maybe didn't speak up and they you know there is a there is a politics to the teaching and in, in the institution oh, um so i think a lot of that has to do with them kind of playing into those games mm-hmm. but you and i have talked about many times where we've seen or heard students say things that were just oh, brutal and the professor kind of just like um shush shush you know what i mean like nothing more than just like i'm trying to lecture here yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's just sure. overlooking those things. When we have, I I'm not going to name names, but right. there was a presentation that was done. Um, with there was a room of six professors in the history department, mm-hmm. and there was a comment made in one of those pr- in one of those uh, presentations mm-hmm. that General Westmoreland, who was um the U.S. commander on the ground in Vietnam. Mm-hmm was more interested in killing families and kids than mm-hmm. he was about winning the war. Mm-hmm. And that went completely unchallenged right. by a room of history students and history professors. Why didn't you say anything? Well, I was getting ready for mine. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I'm guilty of it too. Right. I, I'm right. not saying I'm not guilty of it. No, I, 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 I was, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't say anything either. You're right. right. Um, but it, it is, it's interesting how, that kind of, I mean, I guess maybe it is easier than I'm letting than I'm letting on, but I just I feel like, um, I feel like there there is some of that like kind of bubble that right. does exist on college that does exist on college campuses yeah. where things just really just 
that kind of stuff that that kind of those kind of comments are allowed to be per, like continue to be purveyed right. and exist because right. there because there isn't that review process uh-huh. that's should be taking mm-hmm. place. Are you talking specifically in the classroom or generally? Generally. Okay. Because I was going to say, I think, you know, by my senior year, I just was like in senior year mode. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I never graduated high school, so I didn't get to experience senioritis. And I did obviously have it a little bit at WSU. But the the interesting thing that I found about myself was that I was more interested in um, – talking i was more comfortable in talking mm-hmm. in the classroom i felt more comfortable like oh okay i kind of get how hey, these history courses work or yeah. these english courses work like i'm seasoned in this but i found myself a lot of times when students would make comments kind of like i do with you in any conversation i say what do you mean by that and make them explain themselves mm-hmm. and their ideas and their thought processes um I would never do that as a freshman or sophomore, or even junior. Like, I'm not going to challenge some other student that I don't know. But, you know, being a senior, I, I don't care. I'm leaving anyways. Like, I want to know, you know, I don't know. There's just more. I felt more comfortable at that point. And I I'm, I was thinking about, I wonder if during that presentation, if I, one, was there or two, focusing on maybe what I had to do, too. Yeah. Um, I totally would ask, like, well, where did you get that? Like, what mm-hmm. what made you want to? What made you say that? Um, I'm not afraid to ask people those kinds of For questions. Sure. Um, yeah, no, def- definitely. Um, I know you're not. Yeah, but uh, I definitely am. I but it, it made you. It's a, it's interesting though. It was enough to make you go, huh? You know what I mean? I think we do need to challenge those kind of. I don't know. That's kind of a blunt statement to make without. Statistics or primary documents to show that. Yeah, I mean, I granted you're making a 10 minute presentation on on uh, six months of research, but to say something that strong, um, I think yeah, I agree. Maybe you should have backed it up a little bit, or or challenged it, or somebody asking like, uh, you know, some of the questions that were asked were just very general and broad. Um, and I, I don't know, I wish I would have not had to worry so much about getting my presentation done <laughs> so that I could have paid attention and yeah, asked right. like, yo, what does that mean? Or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. but then people would ask me those questions or oh, ex- mine. Ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> like for sure. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think that was, I just wanted to touch on that. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's it's a good, good, uh, good point. There's just, um, there's definitely a lot of beliefs about, uh, you know, second uh, post secondary education in right. the United States. Right. I think there's a lot of vilifying by some, and there's some who hold it um, hold it up in you know too high of a reg- I shouldn't say too high of regard, yeah. but who are unwilling to challenge it because yes. they don't want to undercut the institution That's a good point. of sec- uh, post secondary education. So yeah. I think I think both sides could do with some you know personal reflection. Yeah, as do we all. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that. <laughs> uh, that's really interesting. Send me that. Will do. Um, all right. So I think that's it for today. I think we're good. Um, one thing I did want to bring up was uh, next Thursday is the opening event for the Humanities Washington project that I've been working on mm-hmm. for a year, I think. That's so the one with uh, Dr. Sinclair and Dr. Peabody. Yes. Um, so we're working with the museum, Clark County's or uh, Clark County Historical Museum, Humanities Washington, Washington State University. Um, there's some other, I think, organizations involved. So sorry if I didn't mention them. Um, but basically, we've you know 
been working on collecting oral histories and reaching out to the community and getting their perspective and stories and meeting people to you came to one and, and volunteered at one mm-hmm. um, where you had a group of people, you know, sharing their stories of Clark County. Well, we're, this all culminates into an exhibit that's opening on October 18th, Thursday, October 18th. Um, I believe it's at five. So that's where I'll be. Oh, 630 to eight on Thursday mm-hmm. is what the Columbian says here. Um it's going to look back at a series of workshops and events that started in January and allow guests to share their own stories of how they came to live in Clark County. It's really fun. I, I just in a one event that I went to, mm-hmm. um, if you're, if you've lived your entire life in Clark County or if you're a new transplant and you right. kind of want to g- understand the history of our, of our area, mm-hmm. it's, there's a lot of nostalgia mm-hmm. and there's a lot of just good stories. Right. Um, I never really appreciate, I never, I guess I was never exposed to it and I never really appreciated oral history. Right. Um, I've always been more concerned with the, the bigger macro level stuff, mm-hmm. but um, hearing that just kind of h- being exposed to some of these people's experiences in, in the region that, you know, I grew up in, mm-hmm. we, we grew up in was, was, was really fun. Right. So I, I mean, I would really recommend anybody who's grown up in this area right. to, to go to this event. Well, and I've only lived here, I think 10 years now. Um, and when I did a, my oral history, pro- his history project um, with someone reflecting their experience in Clark County, they had only lived here for a few years mm-hmm. as well. So new transplants do have a connection. They do have stories. And it's always fun to go and talk to people who have lived here forever um, because you will. It's it, Vancouver is awesome and I love it and I don't ever want to leave. But when you come here and you get to there's there's always somebody who has a connection or a memory with a place that even a newbie can create a memory Mm -hmm. from, you know, there's there, you hear these stories of all these people, especially the older generations at that event, you know, they were talking about all these burger joints and all these like dance halls and, and to them in that era, those are their memories. And then as these generations get, you know, younger and younger, there are going to be similar things that we all can kind of connect on. Mm -hmm. And even newbies like me, I mean, generally we can talk about the fort, but I mean, even just downtown and playing Pokemon with you and Matt, you know what I mean? Like there's memories in these locations at Esther short and, and, and even up here in Salmon Creek, just being at the campus. I mean, there's always a place, um, for, for everyone to kind of, create memories and i think that this project kind of looks at everybody who's been here old and new um and there's an event this thursday where i think it's specified just for sharing stories um so people can come and i'm i'll be at that as well um and i think it's the same time uh 6 to 8 30 so you can come and share stories um this thursday i think and that'll be fun or you can listen to others you don't have to share uh, but it's always interesting to hear other people's perspectives. Maybe we can gain empathy <laughs> <laughs> um, from, you know, maybe things that people have gone through. But um, like I said, next, not next Thursday, on the 18th, the exhibit opens at the museum. Um, it's going to be awesome. It, a lot of us have worked really hard on trying to get this done. And it's been fun. I love oral histories. I love those professors that I worked with. And come and hang out if you're in the area. Come learn something. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, 
thanks again for listening um, and check in next week. Uh, I have some things I want to bring up with Jake next week, and obviously he wants to talk about U.S. diplomatic history. I know you guys are all really excited about it. We're gonna get in. We're gonna get into uh, um, kind of where some of where different U.S. foreign policies and doctrines, the theories that (laughs) theories that underpin those, and how they've manifested in 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 the projection of U.S. foreign policy abroad. So I think it'll. it's fun for me. Right. So I'm hoping it's fun for you guys. Yeah. But I've really done a lot of work getting prepared for this. Uh-huh. So I hope it comes across well. Okay. Awesome. All right, guys. Follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, and as always, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.